Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 197, and we're going to be interviewing Helen. How are you doing today, Helen? I'm great. How are you, Jim? I'm doing well. I'm ready to do this. How about you? I'm good to go. Yep. Good to go. Definitely a 10. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you had a good day. It's always good to have a nice day. Yeah. Let's start off here with your childhood. Tell me about growing up. Cool. Where do I begin? The very beginning. The very beginning. I was the product of my mother and my father's, both their second marriages. And, um, yeah, they divorced when I was very young. So I've got no recollection of that bit before I think it was before I was three. Oh, so it's very, and very young. Yeah. So no, the earliest memory I've got of that is my grandparents took my mother and my sisters away. And it must have been about Christmas time because I remember getting a naughty at Christmas book to read on the plane. What do you mean a naughty Christmas book? So it must have been about Christmas time because it was about Christmas and naughty. So that's my earliest sort of record. record what do you, what do you mean by naughty? Time. What do you mean by naughty? Naughty as in the character, the cartoon character. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, I don't I don't know who that is. I guess it might be an English character that we didn't have. Oh, I thought he was global. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. (laughs) So I grew up with my mum and my sisters. My mum got a new boyfriend again when I was very young. And he became very much a father figure. Did you guys get along? Lovely man. I loved him dearly. Um. We had this idyllic life, nice house in the country with dogs and big garden and, or as you call it out there, backyard. And yeah, it was a bit of an idyllic lifestyle. But I can never remember my mother being happy, ever. Uh, we had we went to a good school and yeah lots of animals and I had a pony who really became my best friend and the lovely boyfriend who was my father replacement he 
left where again when I was quite young I must have been about seven and so it was my eldest sister she actually lived with her dad um, my other sister who, who is one up for me and so it was really the three of us and then my mum got another boyfriend and I was less keen on this one and I can still remember to this day I um, went to bed and she came into my room and said we're getting married we're engaged and I was so upset and she said I don't care what you think It's not about you. And I was mortified. And um, I remember crying myself to sleep. And um, yeah, I've still got vivid memories of that day. Why didn't you like him? There was just something about him that just, I never felt comfortable around him. And I think I felt as though he was taking my mother away, although he moved in with us. And I think having seen the man I did like sort of go, I was very upset about that when they split up because I got very fond of him. And yeah, and that really did hurt. But even prior to that, I had already sort of started raiding the kitchen cupboards because my mother was a great entertainer. So there was lots of cooking bottles. And I guess I wanted to sort of feel what all these adults did when they had a drink. And so from about eight, I would be going to help myself on a regular basis to go and find out what's in the magic bottles in the kitchen this week. And that's really sort of the first inroads to drinking I had was from about eight years old. Now that's I've got children. That's, that's very young to be even thinking about that stuff. Yeah, well, again, if mum had friends over for dinner, I'd be more than happy to go and help clear away the glasses. And then I'd be, any drops left in the bottom of the glass, I would drain away. And I'm not saying that I stepped into sort of the dangerous realm of drinking at that age, far from it. But... Certainly, yeah. If I thought my children, who were now 12 and 9, were even thinking about doing that, I'd be horrified. I know, yeah, me too. But my mother, yeah, she, that boyfriend didn't last or fiance, it didn't come to marriage or anything. And sorry for me fidgeting. I've got a bit of a sore back at the moment. 
Oh, no worries. And um, yeah, so he went much to my delight and relief that they didn't get married. But she wasn't happy at all. And there were a few family things going on and she would want me to keep her company and she'd tell me all her woes and her troubles constantly to the point that when she went to have a bath I'd have to go and keep her company and she'd be lying there in the bath just wailing and crying about how miserable her life was it's like great what am I doing wrong kind of thing you don't do that to children. No, children yeah, it's okay to let them know <clears throat> that it's okay to feel sad sometimes. But you don't put all that on them. And I was always her shoulder to cry on. And uh, yeah, it didn't get any better. And other partnerships came and went. And she just never seemed to be happy, ever, which is incredibly sad. And I've now learned a lot more sort of in regards to mental health. And I can see totally of where she was coming from and how she must have been feeling. I can understand it. And... Yeah, I think she always kind of had this own void of her own and she where she seemed to feel the need to fill it, it tended to be with a partner or husband. So, but she did her best and yeah, wanted for nothing and from the outside it looked like the perfect childhood. I struggled at school. I had very low self-esteem. Uh, I was never popular. And then to try and get noticed as soon as I, well, I started <clears throat> smoking regularly, that was my first addiction. Uh, from Well, I started smoking at 13 regularly. <clears throat> Right. And then it was daily by the age of 15. And then come the age of 16, when my mother, well, she finally let me know that she knew. And because that's the legal age, well, was the legal age over here in the UK, she, in a way, was quite pleased because I could light her cigarettes for her while she was driving. Uh -huh. uh, but I was um, I was allowed to drink within the home from an early age even from about the age of eight I was allowed a glass of sherry at Sunday lunch at, at the age of eight? yeah I can't, I can't imagine a child drinking at that age. Just, wow. 
I know, and fair enough, in France and places, children will be allowed watered down wine with their meal, mm. but... And I always wanted more than one. I wasn't allowed it. But yeah, I always wanted more than one. It was like, oh, this actually makes you feel quite good. Do you feel like it triggered something? <clears throat> yeah. And yeah, as I was saying, then definitely got addicted to smoking very early on and then was a full-time smoker by the age of 16. Made attempts to give up over the years, but it wasn't until I got pregnant with my first child that I actually did manage to stop. And, um, yeah, but the drinking and how we've kind of gone on from childhood a bit. Yeah, so from your original question, yeah, my childhood dysfunctional, I think, was the is the best way to describe it. Unhealthy in terms of role models. And, but, yeah, my mother tried her best. But for whatever problem she had, she sort of put a lot onto me from a very early age. And, yeah, children shouldn't be the parents go to to tell them their woes and their worries. No, children aren't meant, like you said, yeah, they're not. I don't think they're emotionally capable of being ready for that. You know, I mean, something you have to kind of go through maturity. Yeah, but I wasn't allowed my own emotions yet. The one person who was the, the most in my life was the most emotional wreck you could ever lay, ever lay your hands on. But I, I wasn't allowed emotions. And so, um, yeah, it was um, definitely very unhealthy mentally. But it's taught me a lot for my own children. So how did you like school? Did you have a good social life? No, hated it. Yeah. And I went to a boarding school as a day pupil. And we would, so I didn't have any local friends. They all lived miles away. And it wasn't until I was old enough and I could get a part-time job and meet people away from home. But at that age, it was sort of to build my self-esteem through school because I wasn't popular. What did I do? I drank to become popular. Get attention. 
not for the right reasons. And then when the boys were thrown into the mix as well, just turned into an, a Netflix teenage romance kind of um, something you definitely wouldn't want your children to watch. But yeah, just thinking, and that carried on into my 20s, sort of, it was a way of being loved and accepted by, yeah, may as well be straight to the point, but jumping into bed with people and just for attention, but all fueled with alcohol. I'm not pretty enough, so what am I going to do? I'm gonna make myself feel pretty. It didn't make me any prettier. Actually, it made me look a whole lot uglier. But from the inside, I felt like a Hollywood actress, really. Or some sort of supermodel. But I didn't have the social skills, I think, because I didn't have many friends growing up. So a lot of things just weren't learnt. How to actually be your genuine self. And I didn't have any sort of regard of my self-worth or anything. Because I didn't think people really valued me. But yeah, got through school okay. Didn't go to university to begin with. I went out and worked. And then came back to university life later on. And um, yeah, it was fun, it was an experience. And, but finally I had to grow up. But no, school is not easy. And now having to sort of support my children through school, I can see their struggles and I'd rather have done it then than do it now, even if I could go in with the knowledge I've got behind me going forward. But yeah, I wouldn't wish going to school on anyone in this day and age. There's so many pressures and expectations Yeah, I just different. hope that they are happy <clears throat> and they do their best and that is enough. That's all you can do in life is your best, right? You can. And yeah, I know going back to my mother, she did her best. And it's what she knew and you've got to look back at it probably didn't start with her. What were her role models like? 
Well, my grandparents were married for umpteen years. And as far as I'm aware, they had a very solid marriage. So I don't know what went wrong there. But these things happen as I now know myself being divorced that sometimes it's not possible to have that ideal for whatever reason. But yeah, it taught me a lot and yeah, it was an experience that I don't regret in any shape or form. And it has contributed to make me who I am today. And through the process, I have two of the most incredible children in the world, says every parent. Huh. Yep, we all think that. So what did you do after uh, university? I know you said originally you didn't go and then you went back. Yeah, so I actually studied real estate and then had a very good job, which I just about held together, but I was drinking incredibly health heavily then, not healthily. And um, yeah, I could have made a lot more of it than I did but yeah drinking was getting in the way then and then I met my husband and um, I fell pregnant almost immediately of getting married so how old were you I was 32 when I got married okay and um so I had my first daughter at 33 so I had her birthday in between and um and then we moved abroad for a while and then I got very sick I had a massive stroke when I was 36. And so I came back to the UK. My mother also had terminal cancer and she was coming out to be with me and the kids a lot. And it just wasn't gonna be possible. So I came back to the UK for health benefits as well, because the support system where we were living was non-existent. And whilst I had my husband, he had to work full time and we had two small children. And yeah, it just wasn't going to happen really successfully. So yeah, I came back to the UK to a better health system than where we were living and to have the care that I require and just there were so many reasons why 
it was the best option for me to come back. And so it, it, it was obvious that, yeah, the best thing we were going to have to do was to divorce. And although at the start, yeah, as anyone goes into any marriage, you think it's going to be for life, but it wasn't going to be for life, especially when I almost died. That was a bit of a tipping point. How did you almost die? When I had my stroke. Oh, okay. So, yeah, um, that was that. And kids and I sort of, well, reestablished our lives. And that's really when my alcohol addiction really kicked in. I was on a lot of medications for my long-term health problems and that with the alcohol, just they weren't mixing well at all. My doctor couldn't believe that I was still living and breathing, drinking what I was drinking when I actually admitted it to him as well as taking what I was taking. He was like, you should be dead. This is ridiculous. But I only opened up about what I was really drinking after I decided enough was enough because it just took me to the point that because I was very severely depressed because of everything that had gone on and everything was just coming at me and then my depression got a whole lot worse because I was drinking so heavily and at that time I was on antidepressants which of course weren't working but it was well established and yeah I was um yeah every time I drank I just wanted to kill myself which yeah, that's not what it's meant to do. And it stopped working. This thing that I used to take to feel good, it started making me feel bad. And I just thought, yeah, this, this has got to give. So at that and point, did you, did you realize you had a problem at that point? You, I knew what? I had a problem a long time before I got to that point. But okay. I didn't want to do anything about mm. it then. So, um, so I'm just. So I said I've got really sore back at the moment. So just bear with me. No worries. Um. Yeah, but lots of people had hinted that I dr I was drinking too much, but. Would I have accepted it? No. And I had spoken to some people about it myself, going, mm, I think I might be an alcoholic. Um, it was with a friend that was also a very well, was a heavy drinker. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I think I might be too. But what did we do? Promptly opened another bottle. 
in true alcoholic fashion. Yep. Yeah. We'll worry about it another day. Yep. But yeah, people had hinted that I perhaps shouldn't be drinking, and especially being on medications. And my mentality was like, well, it hasn't killed me yet, so surely it's not a problem. And other people would sort of say something and they were lucky if that I didn't take their heads off, really. Uh, my mother knew me well enough not to confront me about it, but I'm sure she knew I had a problem. But yeah, you know what it's like, you can't tell someone they've got a problem they've got to realize it for themselves yeah absolutely absolutely like you said i knew i had a problem pretty far before i had like my incident where i decided to get sober but um yeah so at what point did you say you needed to get better well, strangely, it was actually one of my carers when we were sorting out the bottles, to be, empty bottles to be collected for recycling. Um, mine was sort of the biggest, heaviest one in my street. And she sort of said in a non-confrontational way, do you think you might be slightly dependent on alcohol? And I guess at that point there was enough of a niggle already up here that I must and it wasn't immediate but I must have slowly digested it and um, then I phoned up a friend who I knew who was in recovery and said oh do you think I'm an alcoholic and she said I've got no idea I can't answer that for you go onto this website, do this questionnaire and phone me back. So I did that and there was only one question that I didn't get right. And I felt immediate relief, total relief that maybe this is the answer why I'm feeling rubbish. And maybe I should do something about it. I didn't wake up, yeah, I'd woken up God knows how many mornings in my lifetime going, I've got to stop. But it was just seeing it in black and white that, yeah, you have got a problem. And so I spoke to her and she said, fine, okay, we're going out tomorrow. And I went to a meeting with her and it made total sense. And um, yeah, that was it. I just had this desire of never, ever wanting to pick up another drink ever again. There were some hard days. I'm not going to deny that. But on the whole, it was pretty instantaneous. But I did other things and then I got to 
a point in my recovery that it was like when I had my stroke, I needed to know why. I'm quite a factual person. And I needed to take my recovery to on another on another path and I need to know the why I got to this point. And I just felt also there was something missing in all the answers I was being given that I knew I had to go deeper. And that's where I found my recovery coach, who strangely is in the States, but I owe that man so much. Because we dug a lot deeper and got to the root of the problem. Which did uncover that a lot of it had to do with my childhood, and my trauma. And yeah, so, and I've never looked back. I've had to do an awful lot of healing around that as well. But I think I've actually now, I'm totally who I was always meant to be and I don't need anything else. How long have you been sober now? Just over four years. Congratulations, that's a long time. Yeah, well, not compared to most, but even one day actually would have been incredible for me at one point. I think that's a lot. I mean, you, <clears throat> you talk to someone that doesn't have as much time as you, like you said, a newbie, or even someone like me, I'm two and a half years, but you're almost double that if you think about it. Two and a half years is incredible. Don't do yourself down on it. No, I don't, but you shouldn't do that either when, you know, you're four years. I think that's great. Yeah, so let me and ask you... roll on the next four years. Exactly. Just keep, take that momentum and keep moving forward. Yeah. Like they say, one day at a time, right? Yeah, but life has never been so great i feel just happy within myself and just there's no point looking back but yeah would i have changed any of it no did i make stupid mistakes yes am i proud of a lot of what i did no but can't change it so Move on. Yeah, that's all you can do. Life does go on. It does. And it all brought me to the point of the here and now. Yeah. I'm happy for you. So we're getting towards the end here. Let me ask you this. Do you have any advice for people that are watching and listening? Keep with it. Don't listen to the voice in your head that might be making you doubt your decision to get sober. Don't let anything be used as an excuse because we're so good at that. 
Mm, yep. Uh, there is no need to, and it won't make you feel better. So just keep going. As Jim just said, day at a time, a moment at a time, even if you can just make it another hour and just remember you can do it. And we were all born with everything we need within us to get through it. And um, what we think the good effects from whatever substance you're on or behavior that you're undertaking, that is simply a natural reaction to your the fact your body can produce that by its own accord. But you just, it's like someone's either speaking to you in a whisper or with, with a loud mega halo, megaphone. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. screaming at you. So yeah, just you can and you will get your life back and you will be funny and you will have a good time. In fact, you'll have a better time and never be happier. And don't be afraid to ask for help. That's the hardest thing I think for a lot of us is asking for help because we do become rather sort of self-reliant. So we think we can take on the world. But yeah, and let yourself be vulnerable. But keep at it. You won't regret it. And you won't feel worse for it. And just enjoy life, make the most of it. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, well, it's been great to meet you. Yeah, it's been a wonderful experience for me. Yeah, and have the strength of the lion. The strength of the lion. He's up there for a reason. Gotcha. Did you have anything else you'd like to add? No, if anyone does need to talk, just you're more than welcome to get in touch. How I've... would they do that? You can either find me on Facebook. I'll send you the links, Jim, that you can pop in the comments. Okay, I'll put it in the description. You post this. Yeah, I'll put it in the description. I'll get all that across to you. Or you can email me at Helen at disaddicted. Because, yeah, what am I now? I'm disaddicted. Disaddicted. Dot coach. Disaddicted dot coach. All right. I hope everyone that's listening gets to check it out. Cool. And gorgeous pussycat. I have. Oh, you I've saw. I've just been watching him. Yeah. I've got two 
practically identical ones. Yeah, I have two as well. They're great. It's good for recovery also, I mean, because they're a very relaxing presence. So if you're ever feeling anxious or anything like that, kind of hang out with your kitty cat, let her purr by you, just chill yeah. out. Yeah. Um, when I went through the stage of not sleeping well, I actually listened to cats purring. I think it was on YouTube and it would send me to sleep. Apparently there is a frequency or something which helps you sleep. Interesting. There's some science behind it. Gotcha. But right. yeah, those days are long gone. I now sleep brilliantly. Yeah, that's the one thing I found in recovery because when I was um drinking a lot, I I well pretty much anything I was doing, I was not sleeping well. They, they, I never slept the whole night through. I would always get up and it, it just, it would just, I would get up and I'd fall back asleep, get up, fall back asleep. Sometimes I'd get up, have a drink, have a cigarette, then go back to sleep. It's a nightmare. Now, just, I sleep the whole night through. Yeah. Well, I remember one stage I went through, I'd be sleeping, but I'd just be sweating it out in my sleep and didn't even think about it that it may be linked to the alcohol but I would literally wake up and just be all my bed sheets my nutty clothes everything it would be as though I had the worst flu ever like you were sweating? Yeah. Just so badly. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Hang, hang out for me for one moment. And for everybody that's watching and listening, I hope you like what you saw. If you did, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also check us out at www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you will find plenty of free resources and literature. So I hope you enjoyed today. And until next time.